Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Hello, welcome everyone. It is a pleasure and an honor to have Professor Jonathan Sarna with us here today to learn about white supremacy and anti-Semitism lessons from the Capitol attack. This event is co-sponsored by Congregation Beth Israel. And Jonathan D. Sarna is a university professor and Joseph H. and Bell R. Braun professor of American Jewish history at Brandeis University where he directs the Schusterman Center for Israel Studies. He also chairs the Academic Advisory and Editorial Board of the Jacob Brader Marcus Center of the American Jewish Archives in Cincinnati and serves as the Chief Historian of the National Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia. Author or editor of more than 30 books on American Jewish history and life, his American Judaism and History, Yale of 2004, recently published in a second edition, won six awards, including the 2004 Everett Jewish Book of the Year Award from the Jewish Book Council. His most recent books are Coming to Terms with America, written in 2021 with Benjamin Chappelle, Lincoln and Jews, A History, St. Martin's in 2015, and When General Grant Expelled the Jews from 2012. His annotated edition of Cora Wilburn's previously unknown 1860 novel, Casella Wayne, has also recently appeared. Dr. Sarna is married to Professor Ruth Langer and they have two married children and two adorable grandchildren. So with that, I will lead it to having you speak, Professor Sarna. Well, thank you. And it's really a, a great pleasure uh, to be with uh, all of you. I see uh, some familiar faces and uh, uh, some faces that I hope will be familiar. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly um, uh, thrilled that this technology allows us uh, uh, to be together. Um, I have to admit that the subject is a, a rather unhappy one. And I'm afraid that some of the content is a bit horrifying but I think it's extraordinarily important to understand these matters, uh, particularly because uh, anti-Semitic elements of the January 6th uh, insurrection have received, to my mind, uh, insufficient attention. So uh, I hope to shine a light on them uh, uh, today. Uh, if we could uh, open the slides, we'll get started. Now, one of the many uh, horrifying, I think, images from uh, the January 6th rampage was this one. And I hope you can see there a little bit on the left, a long haired, long bearded man. His name was Robert Keith Packer, uh, wearing a black Camp Auschwitz t-shirt emblazoned with skull and crossbones. And under it is the phrase, hard to see, work brings freedom, an English translation of the Auschwitz concentration camp motto, Arbeit macht frei. Um, on the back of that uh, t-shirt was um, uh, the word staff, uh, as if he wished somehow that he had uh, had the privilege of being a staff member uh, at Auschwitz. And next slide, another image. It may have been taken a day or two earlier um, uh, is of a different man whose t-shirt was emblazoned, as you can see here with the inscription, mysterious 6MWE, above the yellow symbols of Italian fascism. Uh, 6MWE is an acronym quite common among uh, those on the far right. And alas, it stands for six million wasn't enough. 
again, a reference, of course, to the extermination of Jews during the Nazi Holocaust, and it hints at the desire of the wearer of such a T-shirt to increase that number still further. Uh, this kind of coded language is very common uh, in far-right circles. It's understood by the cognoscenti, by those who understand it, and others uh, just are mystified, 6MWE. Now, uh, these and related images captured on television, retweeted on social media, they demonstrate that some, I want to underscore some, of those who traveled to Washington in support of then-President Trump were engaged in much more than just a doomed effort to maintain their hero in power. As their writings make clear, some of them also hope to trigger what is known as the Great Revolution. Next slide, please. Based on a fictional account of a government takeover and race war that in its most extreme form would exterminate the Jews. I will come back to the Turner Diaries, um, but um, uh, uh, let's back up a bit and let me point out, next slide, that calls to exterminate Jews are actually common in far-right and white nationalist circles. Um, uh, for example, the uh, uh, conspiracy theorists of QAnon um, uh, who hold that the world is full of, uh, uh, of uh, a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who are plotting against Donald Trump. I know it's hard to believe that people believe that, but actually there are a lot of QAnon supporters who do, and they traffic in uh, this kind of uh, anti-Semitism. And uh, this is, uh, you may remember uh, him, this is Jack Angeli. Uh, he is also now in jail, um, uh, head of QAnon, who likewise was in, uh, uh, was in the Capitol. Um, now, uh, and I think we have another slide. Next slide, please. We have another slide. Uh, you can see that Q there. Uh, another slide of a, a QAnon and a reminder uh, that it is a movement that um, uh, that attracts uh, women and uh, and men alike. Now QAnon and actually many in the white nationalist uh, camp are um, greatly attracted to conspiracy theory. And it's important to understand um, a conspiracy theory. If we go to the next slide, we'll uh, see, see uh, that. Uh, the idea basically is to explain complex uh, uh, developments on the basis of massive demonic forces. Um, the sense is there are individuals or groups, many times Jews, acting covertly to achieve a malevolent end. In other words, you may think that lots of disparate events happen. We know they're all related and there is a puppet master, uh, as you'll see, who um, is really shaping uh, those, uh, those events. Uh, and if we go to the next slide, we'll see the basic assumptions of conspiracy theorists. Number one, that the universe is governed by design. Nothing happens 
by accident. Number three, nothing is as it seems. You may think that um, uh, 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 that uh, a forest fire is a forest fire, but we know uh, that it's really caused by Jewish space lasers and everything is connected. And indeed, if I go back to uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, you really can see how conspiracy theory works. The California forest fires, to her mind, are not an accident because nothing happens by accident. Instead, she insists that there is a plan of Jews and uh, they used their Jewish space lasers belonging to the Rothschilds to clear room for uh, uh, in the forest so that they can build a high-speed rail project. And note how she's connected in a, I think, an insane way, but connected all sorts of disparate phenomena. Uh, it's very hard to disprove, because how can you disprove something like that? Um, but it fits these assumptions. There are no such things as accidents. Nothing is as it seems. And most importantly, everything is connected. And it always goes back in their mind uh, to the Jews. Now, um, and, and certainly, um, uh, we can see this with the conspiracy theory of QAnon. Um, and if we go to the next slide, we, we can see the Mr. Q, uh, who is the head, and he communicates in riddles. You can sort of see that. And he leaves clues. And what I wanted you to see here is um, this clearly anti-Semitic uh, image that he retweeted. Uh, this could be a Nazi image complete uh, with the Star of David, uh, with the very uh, phallic Jewish nose. And of course, uh, what you see here is a Jew wallowing in the blood of Russians, Poles, Hungarians, Ukrainians. Uh, he didn't know they were going to be fighting one another. Um, the Jew is really to blame. Um, and he asks innocently, why do they persecute me uh, so? Um, uh, the, the, it's important to know that this idea of long-nosed Jews uh, dripping with the blood of non-Jews, whom, of course, they are falsely accused of murdering. There is a very long and tragic history to these kinds of images. It's hard to kill people. But if you persuade folks, oh, they're out to kill you, then it's easy. Uh, he's been killing um, uh, 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 Russians, Poles, Hungarians, Ukrainians. Uh, suddenly, he's the subject and we can kill him in much the same way that Russia insists now that the Ukrainians are full of Nazis. That allows people um, uh, who might otherwise not be able to commit such a heinous crime to see them as uh, less than human and to, uh, uh, and to want to kill them. Uh, but what I want to show you is how old this idea is. If we go to the next slide, uh, you can see um, that this idea that Jews are um, uh, murderers and um, uh, really uh, engaged 
in blood libel uh, goes all the way, this is Simon of Trent, goes all the way back to the Middle Ages, and that's what stirred up the masses. If I believe that the Jews are um, uh, uh, taking the blood of children, then of course uh, they are and not human beings like me, uh, but, uh, and I can justify murdering them. And we know that these in the Middle Ages were triggers for anti-Semitic violence. And um, uh, that I think is in many ways still true today. That is the purpose of QAnon and all the, that business, which seems so uh, nutty to many of us, uh, pedophiles plotting against Donald Trump, that focus on pedophiles uh, is a kind of echo of a very old anti-Semitic idea uh, that um, uh, we know is blood libel, uh, that Jews are praying with an E, praying on Christian children. Now, a uh, next slide, more common uh, perhaps than um, uh, that uh, conspiracy theory is um, the, the conspiracy theory involving George Soros, who's a, a billionaire philanthropist and investor of Jewish origin. He doesn't admit to being uh, a Jewish, but anti-Semites know him uh, as a Jew. But what I wanted you to see here is how he is connected to everything from the Ukraine and uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and Arab Spring and um, uh, whatever the issue is, it is not complicated. It all goes back to one, uh, one person. Um, what is new here is simply that in the 19th century, many people believed that it was the Rothschilds who controlled the world. They were the puppet managers. Next slide, please. And um, more recently, as the Rothschilds are less known, um, uh, we see it um, uh, in, 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 uh, in Soros. But um, uh, if you see this material, uh, you can see the idea that Jews control the world uh, really has a very long history uh, in uh, anti-Semitic literature. Next slide, please. Now, QAnon and many of the groups who we now know were central uh, to the events of January 6th, carefully mark Jews in their own writings, and they mark them with this triple parenthesis, often known as an echo, uh, Wolfowitz, Pearl, Funt, Fife, and so on. Of course, um, uh, the problem is that um, not so easy to know who's Jewish. Jews actually look no different from anybody else. So they want to out Jews. They um, uh, 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 want to help you to distinguish Jews from others. And this is a reminder that in their mind, Jews are not true members of the white race. They are interlopers. Um, uh, on the left, people may imagine that uh, uh, Jews have become white folks, but on the extreme right, and that's the people who organized January 6th, uh, Jews are pretenders uh, to whiteness and they want to out them 
as, uh, as being at the end of the day Jews, and that's why uh, there is an echo. Uh, if we go to the next slide, um, this involved me, so I'm, uh, 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 you know, wanted you to um, uh, uh, to see it. Um, this was a white nationalist uh, website, a very popular one, that was found to have displayed lots of photographs of Jewish women and men, more women than men, uh, but I was one of the men, and in my case, they even put my name there. They downloaded it from university websites, but the point was the same. They want to help their readers distinguish Jews from the Aryan master race. Um, and the idea was that if you uh, look at enough pictures, you'll become, if we go to the next slide, you'll see that you'll become more able to tell the difference between the Aryan um, uh, a, a lady on the left, uh, someone told me that that's actually someone named Taylor Swift, and uh, the, the Jewish um, uh, somewhat overdone lady on the right, uh, who uh, they want you, uh, who their claim is, uh, is a child of Satan. Europeans are the children of God, referring uh, to the left, they, and note that echo, that's the way of knowing they're talking about Jews, they are the children of Satan. And the point of the website, uh, which downloaded our students, was so you can practice, so that eventually you'll know who you need to exterminate and who indeed is um, a, a proper member of the Aryan white race. Now, if you go um, uh, uh, to the next slide, you'll see that um, uh, members here of the Proud Boys which is another uh, group uh, that was involved in the events of um, uh, January the 6th. And they likewise traffic uh, in uh, racist anti-Semitism. Um, and uh, Kyle Chapman, who also has been arrested now, promised to confront the Zionist criminals. Uh, who wish to destroy our civilization. But I particularly wanted you to see uh, this from um, their website um, because it, it helps you to see, they've even invented uh, a word, uh, jiting for Jews masquerading as whites for nefarious anti-white political purposes. Jews are not really white. They only pretend so as to shame, discredit, blame, mock, harass, and otherwise discomfort and discredit white people and the white race. And um, they then go on um, uh, to, to declare white genocide is their plan. What Jews want to do is uh, commit genocide of the white race. And now look at the horrific uh, next uh, uh, phrase, counter extermination is our response. Again, with the echo and with the explicit sense that the goal is to exterminate Jews uh, who are such a danger uh, to uh, the United States. Moving on, we, uh, we come, uh, next slide please. Moving on, we do come to the Proud Boys. Uh, lots, uh, 
lots of these folks who you're seeing here are um, are in jail. Um, uh, and and um, uh, maybe we'll we'll go to the next. Uh, the leader Kyle Chapman. We owe nothing to any other race. And note well how Zionist and Jew are used interchangeably in white nationalist rhetoric. Um, uh, to their mind, it's one and uh, one and the same. Um, now, um, Chapman uses the term white genocide really as a kind of shorthand for the fear that members of the white population will soon be overwhelmed by people of color. And that is one of the defining fears. America is changing and um, uh, white people are soon going to be overwhelmed. And if we go to the next slide, we see um, a slogan which was seen on signs outside the Capitol on January 6th, uh, but is also seen here in a very revealing way. 14 words, and the number 14 is important because when you see the number 14 in white nationalist rhetoric, that's this slogan, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Uh, it was written, uh, first I wanna point a few things here. Note the swastika hidden on the shield. Note uh, those uh, bolts um, uh, in the back. Uh, the lightning bolts and this very Nazi German imagery uh, of a kind that one rarely uh, until recently saw in America after World War II. Uh, those who've studied uh, uh, the books by George Mossey about uh, uh, the, the Nazi body image recognize it uh, here. Uh, and it, it really does show the influence of Nazi ideas and, and, and see those skulls at the bottom hidden. Um, uh, um, and the person who composed this 14 word slogan was a man named David Lane. David Lane was one of the conspirators behind the 1984 assassination of the Jewish radio host, Alan Berg. Um, he uh, uh, composed, and we certainly won't have time to go through it. Uh, he composed not only 14 words, but 14 planks. Uh, if you go to the next slide, um, I, I've got them here, uh, called the White Genocide Manifesto. The point is Jews are not white, they endanger white civilization. And most importantly, we can keep going. Uh, I've got a few of them here. If you go linger on it a bit, the point is uh, the idea that Western nations are ruled by a Zionist conspiracy to mix, overrun, and exterminate the white race. You see that in number seven. Uh, certainly, this is influenced by the anti-Semitic forgery known as the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, but it actually goes further because it talks about the Zionist occupation government, or the acronym which one can now see in lots of places, ZOG, again, Outsiders have no idea what Zog is, but insiders know it's the Zionist occupation government. And again, I remind you, Jew and Zionist are used interchangeably. Zog implies Jews really can 
uh, controlled government, and uh, it blames them, uh, as you keep going, uh, uh, for abortion, for homosexuality. Everything is connected. All of it comes back to Jews. Um, now, um, all of these folks, uh, and, and this is you know, the key point uh, in their um, uh, conspiracy theory. Now, uh, all of these folks, I've talked of QAnon and Proud Boys, but it's true of far-right and alt-right groups, and certainly uh, of those um, uh, who converged on Washington, uh, were really imagined that they were living out the great fantasy that underlies what is now considered to be the Bible of white nationalism Next slide, please. A 1978 dystopian novel, we saw it earlier, The Turner Diaries. The man who really wrote them, we now know, is a man named William Luther Pierce, um, although he wrote under a pseudonym. Uh, and I have to say, uh, The Turner Diaries, now it's hard to get. It used to be easily available on the web. Uh, which is where I read it, and you could get it through Amazon very cheaply after, um, uh, after January 6th. Uh, uh, it became much harder to get, but we know how many folks read it, and in many ways, uh, being a novel, it's certainly much more readable than the protocols. Um, it's a novel depicting the violent overthrow of the government, followed by nuclear conflagration, race war, and then the extermination of non-whites and what are euphemistically called undesirable racial elements among the remaining white population. And it's perfectly clear um, that, those, uh, that those are Jews. Uh, at the center, the next slide please, at the center, of uh, the novel uh, is a, something called the Day of the Rope. On the Day of the Rope, uh, Jews, um, those who are married to non-whites and other undesirables and non-whites are lynched. They are strung up all over town. Um, and here you can really see uh, just uh, how influenced all of this is uh, by Nazi ideology, uh, support, you know, join your local Nazis, you see the swastika and, uh, and so on. But the key to remember is that the day of the rope and the idea that there is no escaping the day of the rope comes straight out of the Turner Diaries where that day is described in a very memorable chapter. And now I wanna show you an image from January the 6th, next. See that rope? Um, uh, now there are many interpretations of the rope and, uh, 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 but people like me think that in addition to it being uh, uh, for Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi, which is horrific enough, uh, they also believed, and that's why they're holding it up, that they were beginning uh, the insurrection described in the Turner Diaries and uh, uh, the day of the rope uh, was, was coming. Uh, and on that day, uh, Jews, and others would uh, uh, get what they deserve. And um, uh, if we keep going, we can really see that uh, mass lynchings, a takeover of Washington sets up a worldwide conflagration uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, the destruction both of uh, Israel and of uh, the Jewish people. 
Uh, here, uh, we won't have time to read it, but uh, here you see the beginning of uh, the day of the rope, tens of thousands of light of, of lampposts uh, uh, hanging um, uh, uh, people who betrayed their race. Uh, let's go to the next. And uh, here again, you see the close relation in their mind of Jews, uh, of uh, non-whites, of Israel, and, uh, and so on, and um, uh, attacking Israel uh, is, is part of what will happen in uh, their uh, dystopia. We are in a war to the death with the Jew. Your day is coming, Jews. Your day is coming. Um, and uh, indeed, by the end of the novel, uh, uh, the Jews are exterminated. Uh, keep going. And here you see it. Um, uh, within a week, the throat of the last Jewish survivor in the last kibbutz, in the last smoking ruin in Tel Aviv had been cut. Uh, Jews have similarly been exterminated in uh, other countries. And um, uh, the hoped for day uh, when Jews will be wiped out, six million was not enough, uh, is uh, depicted in the novel. Keep going, please. Um, the liberation of North America. And in 11 months, uh, uh, the uh, uh, non-whites and undesirable racial elements among the whites, that's a euphemism, are all wiped out in less than a year. And that really is what folks on January 6th hoped uh, they, were, uh, they were beginning. And we come to the conclusion, the next, uh, the next slide, please. Yeah, so the Turner Diaries denouement coupled with these anti-Semitic images that uh, we saw on January the 6th really serve as, I think, rather timely reminders uh, of the precarious place, alas, Jews occupy in different corners of the United States and subsequent events um, uh, all over uh, the country uh, that, you know, once we would not have believed the takeover of synagogues, the shootings in the synagogue and so on, um, uh, from uh, Pittsburgh to Colleyville, uh, even as some celebrate how Jews have become white and privileged others, uh, including, I think, um, uh, those, many of those on January the 6th dream of Jews' ultimate uh, extermination. Um, so uh, I, I, I want to end on that unhappy note. I think, uh, in a sense, we link this to Passover where we read that uh, in every generation, there are those who would like to wipe Jews out and God protects us. Sadly, uh, in our own day, uh, there are those even in the United States who dream of extermination. So we have some time. It's, uh, 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 you tell me if there are questions or comments. And uh, yes, let's open up the floor. Um, does anyone have a question? You're welcome to unmute or raise your hand physically, virtually. Do you, do you see in the years of Trump's presidency that uh, anti-Semitism became really part of a larger wave of hate? Hate against Asians, hate against Blacks, hate against um, anyone different? Or do you still see even a, a, a greater vulnerability and focus on Jews, or this was just 
um, more enabled because of this wider um, environment of hate? So very good question and uh, absolutely right. It's actually long been true in the United States. Um, uh, if you go back to the Ku Klux Klan, famously, the Klan was opposed to African-Americans, to Catholic Americans, to Jewish Americans. Uh, today, I think you're absolutely right. Anti-Semitism, anti-Asian, um, uh, and uh, anti-Hispanic, as well as racism, anti-Black are often linked. Um, hatred, and, and in the Turner Diaries, all of those groups are seen as non-white and all of them are to be exterminated. This is the, the kind of uh, white fantasy of, of these groups that everybody will be um, uh, exterminated except white people and the future will be theirs. This is the antithesis of uh, white genocide which uh, they talk about. I happened uh, to be uh, a student of anti-Semitism. So, you know, I focus on its anti-Jewish elements, but you are quite right uh, that it is not only against Jews. And that is a little different than in some European countries where the only outsiders, the, the only outgroup were Jews in America. Uh, it's long been true that there are multiple groups, uh, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we do need to be aware. And uh, I talk a bit about anti-Semitism uh, in other lectures and in classes, in the 1990s, I think there were lots of people who thought anti-Semitism was finished. There was even a book, I have it, called The End of American Anti-Semitism. Uh, and I think all of us are aware that uh, it didn't turn out that way. And that too is important to remember. Yes, I see two other questions. Yeah, thanks. Um... With people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Lauren Boebert, is the Republican Party at risk of being taken over by QAnon conspiracy theorists? And what does that mean for Jews in America? Will, will that become an anti-Semitic racist party? Uh, you know, I, as a historian, I'm better at predicting the past than at predicting the future. Uh, I do think, I have to say, I think both parties, have elements um, uh, that are profoundly disturbing, that are pushing these parties to extremes. In the case of the Republican Party, indeed, you know, there are QAnon and other people pushing it to the extreme right. In the case of the Democratic Party, um, uh, there are anti-Israel and uh, really uh, lots of anti-Semitic tropes on the left, pushing it in uh, that direction. Um, uh, so more than we would expect, this is a fear. Um, all I can say as a historian is that historically the extremists can make a lot of noise, can have some influence, but they actually can't win an election. And uh, that um, the, the quiet folks who make up the broad middle have tended uh, at the end of the day to move people back uh, to the middle, um, not in every election, uh, but that has been the tendency. Um, and um, I think part of the reason for January 6th 
was the sense that America had moved back to the middle in the election of 2020, and these folks wanted to undo that. Um, and I think there may be important lessons there uh, about uh, politics, but it is wise for Jews to be vigilant and nervous uh, for the very reasons you, uh, you said. Uh, and it is perfectly clear, just look at the present Congress, uh, and it's been true throughout the 20th century, that haters can be elected from both parties. And uh, there certainly are people in Congress with loud voices, uh, both on the left and on the right, uh, who hold views that, you know, I think many of us would consider abhorrent. Deborah? Hi, um, can you comment on the um, military and paramilitary connections of these protesters and how high up the the uh, the chain of command they go? I understand that they they're you know some of them have military connections. Certainly, I'm in Canada and the the Freedom Convoy in Canada. There were many um, military people who were involved, and that's certainly worrisome as well. Well, we certainly know if you go down the list of those who have already been arrested, there certainly were people with military records. There also were people, and this is rather sad, who have been released from the military, but really don't have decent jobs. And um, in, in some ways, uh, there's an Israeli scholar who points out that anti-Semitism is really a cultural code, by which she means it tells us much more about the anti-Semite than about Jews. And that's always been true. That was true in the days. If you read what Henry Ford said about Jews, tells you much more about Henry Ford than about the Jews. And I think that um, in some cases, we are seeing a kind of cry of those who serve their country um, and uh, you know, came back to America and feel rejected, feel that they have not been trained for proper jobs uh, and um, uh, you know, are deeply, deeply angry at uh, what has happened. And it, it tells us more about changes, uh, the, the uh, digital revolution and those who are being left behind, uh, the fact that in contemporary America, those who have not graduated college uh, really can't anymore get a living wage. And uh, so all of that is going on. I think it was going on in Canada as well. Uh, but it is those kinds of people who are most um, likely to fall into conspiracy theory that gives promises them an easy answer. You know, it's not complicated changes in the economy and uh, uh, transformations brought by digital uh, revolution. There's an easy solution. Your problem is caused by the Jews. Uh, yeah, the answer is yes, there are people in the military, but as far as I know, all of them were kind of ex-military. And as I say, I, what impresses me about that is uh, that, that uh, there are a lot of have-nots in this country and they fall prey to these kinds of ideas. Uh, that is not to excuse them, but simply to explain how easy it is uh, to capture uh, folks who have been left behind by telling them, oh, I know what caused your problem. It was all caused by uh, immigrants and Jews. There's a follow-up question in the chat, and then I see, Dan, you tried to unmute a few times. Oh, so how do I get it? Can oh, I will read it? read it out loud. Um, it's 
Is the military connection a possible side effect of an all volunteer military service instead of universal service? You know, I, I don't want to pretend uh, to be expert at that, of course. We have long had, I mean, actually, even after the American Revolution, look at the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, uh, the George Washington personally had to put down. Um, uh, and you had people um, uh, who had been, had fought in the revolution uh, and, you know, now didn't want to accept the authority of government. Um, Coxey's army during the depression, many of those people were ex-military and, and that was a time when we didn't have an all-volunteer army. Uh, so I don't know that it's caused by a, uh, a, a volunteer army, but I do think that um, we do as a country need to be troubled by the fact that there are a lot of veterans um, who are, after they are released uh, from service, uh, no longer uh, seem able uh, to get uh, jobs. They are deeply bitter and angry, and bitter and angry people often fall prey to um, uh, to conspiracy and hate groups. Um, but I leave it to others who may know more to comment on uh, how things are different with a volunteer army and um, uh, a non-volunteer army. Okay, was there any other questions in the room? Um, there's quite a few people here, so I can only see so many on my screen. Please feel free to unmute. Question someone asks is about QAnon. There is now a book on anti-Semitic imagery in QAnon and the ADL has collected quite a lot of that anti-Semitic imagery. The question really is, QAnon has mostly fallen silent since um, uh, January 6th, really since the inauguration. And the question is whether it will reemerge, whether um, it's frightened. There have been various theories who the infamous Q is but even if QAnon is no longer as much of a threat, um, you know, I, I heard just today uh, a, a talk here on uh, social media and anti-Semitism, and it's not confined to the United States. Uh, in Germany too, there is great fear of the impact of um, uh, of, of social media and on uh, galvanizing, on bringing people together, on promoting uh, various uh, conspiracy theories that um, uh, uh, promote hatred. So there is a second part to that question in the chat. Um, first part being, did QAnon have explicit anti-Semitic messages, which you answered? And also, what is the best response to a friend that has conspiracy beliefs? It's not, if, if there were an easy response to conspiracy theory, we would long ago have uh, come up with it. The problem with conspiracy theory is that it offers a simple answer. And professors like me, say, well, actually, it's very complicated. And as soon as I say that, I've lost. The truth is, the world is very complicated. But for people who, uh, you know, want oversimplification, um, uh, that is going to be very um, uh, disturbing. Um, I think that at least by teaching folks about conspiracy theory, as I tried to do here. And I teach at Brandeis, you know, that material. Uh, what is a conspiracy theory? 
um, uh, why is it so appealing? Then at least you hope that some people will recognize conspiracy theories when they see it. But I am absolutely aware uh, that, um, uh, you know, when I say it's complicated, and they say it's not complicated at all, it's very simple. It's all due to the Jews. Um, uh, you know, uh, that, that it's, it's very hard to uh, dissuade people. And it's especially hard. And uh, I think, you know, we've all uh, seen that um, with, with Congresswoman Green. Um, uh, here you have major newspapers and a lot of people uh, who, who say it's rubbish and a lot of people who simply laugh, but she still comes up with this kind of uh, conspiracy, uh, including, I believe, uh, the uh, Rus uh, Russian uh, Ukraine. Um, in, in part, that is because uh, social media make it so very easy to be in a kind of echo chamber uh, where you are mostly interacting with people who agree with you and who see the world uh, the way you do. So unfortunately, uh, it's easier to describe the problem than to solve it. Well, we have time for one final question. Is there anyone else would like to ask? Just a quick question. Maybe I'm being paranoid, but it comes from my being a child of the Holocaust survivors. Are we near the end of, of Jewish acceptance in North America? Is it time to go? Or close to, from a historian's point of view. You know, again, I, I have to say I'm better at predicting the past than the future. Uh, look, I think every generation of Jews has been worried. I would say I think it's very important for Jews to be vigilant that your question is not just about Jews. I, I know that there are all sorts of people who ask the question, are we watching the slow death of American democracy? And certainly, were we to see the end of American democracy, and as many of you know, uh, there are lots of countries where democracy has died. Uh, were we to see the death of American democracy, then I think it could be uh, deeply unfortunate uh, for Jews. Um, uh, look, uh, before our very eyes, we're watching a country where some Jews thought, oh, they're very close to Mr. Putin. Uh, Chabad and Putin are good friends. This is a great time. And uh, you should all be looking. Dnepro is really being built up uh, and big Jewish centers there and a, uh, a very significant rabbi and a, a, a actually a close sister city to my um, community here in Boston. Uh, another week, there may not be a Dnepro. Um, so um, Jews have to be vigilant. This is the whole of Jewish history as ups and downs, surprises and misfortunes. Uh, the worst thing is to be complacent, uh, but uh, predicting history is very difficult. Being vigilant is all that we as uh, good citizens can be and do. And I think the, that as we prepare for Passover, uh, in some ways, uh, that is the message uh, of Passover. Uh, don't be complacent. Uh, uh, there are always people out, as in Chadgadia, to uh, uh, overtake the next one. Um, but uh, nevertheless, um, uh, we have to have a certain amount of faith um, 
that it will turn out okay uh, in the end, because nobody would have predicted that so many thousands of years later, we Jews would still be here. So God willing, uh, that will continue. Um, uh, let me wish everybody a very happy Passover and thank you for taking time away from preparations uh, to tune in. Well, and thank you, Professor Sarna, for this talk today um, in partnership with our partner, Congregation Beth Israel. For all of you, if you'd like to join us tomorrow, we'll be learning with Rabbi Chaim Zeidler um, later this month with Rabbi Dr. Eugene Korn. And there's plenty of programs next month as well. You can access all this at valleybaitmadrash.org. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Bait Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybaitmadrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybatemadrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.